When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels, everybody. I'm Al Melchior. I am here with Eno Saris on a fine Friday. And a good time as any for us to uh, check in on some spring training position battles. We'll be looking at a bunch of those. We'll catch you up on some of the latest news from the last uh, 24 hours or so. And time permitting, we'll uh, get into some of the Stuff Plus standouts. If we don't get to that today, I'm sure we will get to that uh, sooner rather than later. So before we get to all that, just a reminder that now is as good a time as any to uh, subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't done so already. It's just $2 a month and uh, for your first year. That uh, that rate gets you in the door to check out everything that's in the draft kit, everything that's still to come in the draft kit, and of course, everything that is on The Athletic. Just go to theathletic.com slash rates and barrels. So uh, let's pick up sort of where we left off yesterday. You know, uh, Edwin Diaz, uh, at the time that we recorded on Thursday, we didn't know specifically what the injury was. We didn't know as a result of that, didn't know how long he'd be, he would be out. Uh, he has had surgery uh, to repair a right patellar tendon tear and is expected to miss the entire season. And just one other wrinkle uh, that I'd like to raise, uh, you know, is that uh, Zach Britton has been named as a potential replacement. Uh, he's been doing showcases. Uh, does that change anything from Thursday's analysis where it seemed like you were pretty, pretty big on David Robertson to uh, pick up saves. Yeah. I don't think it changes much. Um, now we have a diagnosis, but even then uh, everyone is different. Uh, Zach Eflin came back within a sort of a six month time frame from a similar injury, but others missed full seasons. Uh, even when they, I think Matt Strom had uh, had it in like the sort of the winter before season and missed the whole season after that. So it's kind of touch and go person to person. There's some chance that Diaz comes back for a few weeks in September, maybe, or the, the postseason, um, given the, a six month time frame. But I think uh, from the way uh, his general manager was talking and just most of his comps, I would say he's out for the season. Britain, uh, I just don't know. I'm not there at the for the, the showcase. I don't know the velo readings. I, you know, we we can be comfortable saying that if the velo is back, then maybe the the stuff is back because he's had such interesting stuff in the past. Um, so if you do hear of some velo readings out of those workouts, then maybe you can move him up your boards. But uh, even then, uh, I think it would be kind of. Uh, surprising if he returned all the way to his old dominant ways so i would i would kind of uh still bet on david robertson 
Yeah, no, that that seems uh, seems pretty sound. Uh, some good news to report: Kyle Wright is scheduled to make his spring training debut next week and should be ready to start. Uh, not not by opening day, but uh, by this time the second series rolls around for Atlanta when they play the Cardinals. Uh, that, according to Mark Bowman of MLB.com, so uh, I, I think that Wright is being underdrafted. And again, maybe that's just a, a result of, of the uncertainty of his timetable previously. He's 50th among pitchers in NFBC ADP, uh, right around the 130th pick on average. Pretty much every projection system has him with a four ERA, you know, plus or minus 20 points. Uh, do you think that he can come close to repeating what he did last year when he broke out? He's interesting. He's, uh, I think him and Mitch Keller were the biggest stuff plus movers from 2021 to 2022 among starting pitchers. And, um, and so I believe in his stuff, his command is a little bit below average. And, um, I think the park is a little bit tougher than, than people, uh, realize. Cause once we added park in, uh, we got a three nine one ERA. So in our projections, even using this this revamped stuff, this you know, this uh, some proof stuff that he's got. So he's a little better uh, with the without the park taken into context. More like a three seven guy, I think three three eight. So uh, the park booms him up a little bit. Uh, it gives up homers. It actually is a little bit more elevated than people know. Uh, Atlanta uh, sits atop a little bit of a, a mesa there. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, it used to be, you know, the old, the old, uh, Atlanta Fulton County County Stadium. Yeah. Yeah, It used to be called the launching pad. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's a little bit of that going on. They, it has nice dimensions, but just generally 23% strikeout rate, 3.91 ERA. I can see why, uh, where he's being drafted, but with a guy who has like a new arsenal and has really revamped his stuff, like maybe another year improves his command, uh, you know, with these new shapes that he's throwing. So uh, definitely somebody who has a little bit more upside uh, than some of the other guys uh, that have similar projections. All right. And Byron Buxton, good news for him. Uh, he is back, not playing with the Major League squad just yet, but uh, on Thursday played in a minor league game as the DH. That was, was his first game activity since undergoing knee surgery last fall. Uh, does this change anything for you? I mean, I'm glad to hear it's a little bit like an injured pitcher. Like, I'm glad to hear he's no longer injured, right? It's, right. Uh, I'd, I'd hate to draft Byron Buxton knowing he was injured. Um, but, uh, I mean, where would you set the over under? I'm going to set the over under at 301 plate appearances. What are you taking? <laughs> I'll take the over probably, yeah? fo- probably foolishly, but he's done that one, two, three times out of eight. That's actually more than I would have guessed. So I feel better about taking the over <laughs> <you> now. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember exactly how his rookie year came up. So it could be uh, three times out of seven. You know, it'd be unfair to say he didn't do it in his rookie year if he right. just got called up in the, you know, at the end or something. Right. Yeah. I, you know, for me, it doesn't, I guess it maybe changes a little, like you say, because if he goes into the season injured, that's just a, another level of risk. But obviously, Buxton carries a lot of risk uh, regardless. Uh, for the Giants, a couple of updates here. Mitch Hanniger is still at least a week away from baseball activities after sustaining an oblique strain earlier this week. Do you think that this uh, opens the possibility of Blake Sable not only making the team as a Rule 5 player, uh, making the Major League squad, and of course they have to carry him all year or return him, but uh, maybe getting some playing time? 
Yeah, it is possible. He has a very interesting minor league stats, and he was part of a devastating Rule 5 draft for the Pirates where they lost more players than any other organization in baseball. Um, but, uh, you know, his Fangraphs, his Fangraphs prospects report still has him as a 35 uh, future value with uh, a 59th uh, team rank on his team, uh, basically saying that it's all raw power. But hey, I mean, if it's all raw power and he has, you know, 250 ISOs in the minor leagues, maybe it's actually some game power too. His strikeout rate has really fluctuated up and down. He could either strike out 30% of the time or even as low as maybe 25% of the time. And that would change uh, what I thought about him tremendously. I'm going to guess he's a uh, patience, power, uh, and no hit tool kind of guy, uh, a typical sort of catcher, and that they will want to 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 try and play games with him in terms of rosters. And the reason I say that is that is exactly what Farhan Zaidi does all the time. And yeah. so uh, if you're looking for something out of Sable, I think the most likely scenario is he makes the opening league, opening day roster. He plays until Mitch Hanniger comes back, and he is DFA'd. When uh, when Mitch Mitch Haniger comes back, uh, and you know, to be fair, we don't have a specific timetable. Turned to his other, you know, so maybe he's Phantom Mild. I don't know. There's yeah, that's kind of where I thought you were going with that. Yeah, he has to be returned, so he can't be. There's a lot of DFAing in 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 San Francisco where they try to DFA a guy when everybody else's roster is set, so nobody else wants to drop a guy. Mm-hmm. But with the Rule Five, the roster sought is. Uh, I suppose by that time, Roberto Perez could be hurt or they could decide that at 34, Perez uh, doesn't have anything left in the tank if he's uh, not hitting well. I mean, in 2021, Roberto Perez had a 56 WRC plus and that does not, um, that probably does not carry even the best framing and blocking. So if he comes out of the gate, uh, if they keep Sable and and Perez comes out of the gate that that bad and Hanniger comes back, they could they could possibly just release Roberto Perez. You know, the, th- the part of this that makes this interesting to me and I think makes it relevant for the show is that, as you mentioned, Sable catches. He also can play some outfield. He can obviously DH. So being on the Giants, you know, there's there's the kind of the double-edged sword here of that they're, you know, always manipulating the the, the roster and the lineup. Um, nobody's mm-hmm. really a regular. Very few people are regular. So he could be a part of that mix and give them maybe a third catcher if Perez sticks around and uh, at the same time, give, give them some flexibility and that, that, you know, could provide enough playing time to make Sable relevant in some deeper leagues. And it's with an the, interesting with the, depth with, with the catcher. Yeah. With the catcher eligibility. I mean, that actually, that, that could give him a little bit of value. So. It's an interesting depth chart right now because uh, with Hanniger out, I think Conforto is like one of the few people that I, I, I think will play every day. And in fact, as bad as Mike Jastrzemski has been against lefties, I think you kind of almost have to play him every day. You cannot platoon more. Like it, the math says you can't platoon more than three spots on the roster. It's, you can only have four guys on the bench and one has to be a backup catcher. So even, you know, even with Sable in there, you have to, and you can count his one as, as one of the platoon guys. Um, you know, it's, uh, you, you can only, pl- you can't platoon every spot on the roster. So I think Conforto, Yastrzemski, Crawford are everyday players. Um, 
David VR is hurt currently, but well, that's we the have next some update news on him. Yeah. <laughs> so let's get right to that then. Uh, so yeah, VR is dealing with the left hip flexor strain, but he is expected to be back in a few days. Uh, of course, you know, there being an expectation that doesn't always translate into, uh, you know, something that that is actually going to happen. So that's a situation that we have to watch. But I think VR could be on that short list of players that plays pretty close to every day. And he's barely inside the top 600 in ADP and NFBC leagues. So that to me seems pretty low for somebody who put up some monster power numbers in the minors. Uh, I think acquitted himself pretty well when coming up with the Giants last year. So assuming that he does come back pretty quickly, uh, where do you see him fitting in fantasy-wise? I don't know. He's he's a weird player because he hits the ball in the air a lot. And um, and, and not so much that I'd be worried about his BABIP, um, but uh, enough that you'd think, okay, he had a 224 ISO last year. I believe it. He had a 9% barrel rate. That's I'm like, ooh, okay, 220 ISO and a 9% barrel rate. And then you see the max EV, 106 max EV. Um, raw power, 55 grade from Fangraphs. Uh, it's, um, it's a weird package because it doesn't come with a hit tool either. So it's a sluggers package, but a sluggers package without the kind of raw exit velocities you'd expect. Yeah, um, no, it's really reliant on that fly ball rate. Yeah, and it it just makes me nervous. You put in tandem with that park. Uh, yeah. I'm not in on him long term. Short term, you know, it looks like there's runway for him. And like you said, like and I like I was saying, I think you have to play guys every day. In fact, now that I've said Yastrzemski, I think maybe Yastrzemski is still in a platoon with Slater uh, because they have they've really avoided playing him against lefties, and they've really avoided playing Lamont Wade against lefties. So. You know, if we're going strict, you know, strict platoon stuff here, we're talking about a, a platoon of Yastrzemski and Slater and Wade and Davis. That's bad for J.D. Davis because he's a righty. However, J.D. Davis hits the ball really hard and I like him. So I think J.D. Davis is a little bit of a threat to David Villar's playing time over in th- at third. Um, so, you know, I, I'd keep try to keep Peterson out of the field, but you can't put Davis in the outfield. So maybe Peterson plays the field some. Davis gets some burn as the everyday DH, or you know shares it with Lamont Wade. Um, that's uh, that's sort of how I see things playing out. Is Davis gets a little bit more playing time with his injury at the beginning. Sable makes the roster as a backup outfielder and catcher. Uh, he doesn't play that much. The name that I'm circling that's coming up that might matter this year. We talked about Isan Diaz uh, because Derek Derek liked him. Uh, I don't think he's he's already been optioned. Um, Blake Wisely is in camp um, as a uh, I think a Rule Five pick from the uh, from the Rays or maybe just a pickup from the Rays. Um, I don't know if he's making the roster either. Casey Schmidt is a name I think you need to store in your memory banks. Casey Schmidt uh, was only uh, 8% better league average in AAA last year, but it was 16 plate appearances. If you look at his AA, he was 44% better than league average, made contact, had power, and most importantly, is a whiz defensively. And I think in this league, in this time of, you know, shift rules, regulation changes, a uh, little bit more emphasis on defense and Brett and Brandon Crawford, uh, being near the end of his career, Tyro Estrada being, uh, I think, a borderline shortstop. 
They've been playing Casey Schmidt at shortstop. Casey Schmidt replaced Marco Luciano at shortstop uh, at the end of the season, and people, by most reports, said it was okay. So um, there's a couple ways there for Casey Schmidt to make the roster. And if I don't love VR's uh, profile, that means that that's one of the weakest places, one of the easiest points of entry, I think. So that's why I like J.D. Davis. And in keeper leagues, Casey Schmidt is a bit of a stash. That's a deep keeper league probably because he's not like a top 100 uh, prospect, but it is someone I'm, I'm circling. Okay, well, I need to take a second here and take David VR out of my score sheet queue. Uh, <laughs> my pick's not for a while, so I can revisit that later. But uh, let's take a look at a couple of notes from the Tigers. Uh, and kind of in the same category we were talking before uh, with Sable and, and the uh, catcher eligibility, Eric Haas, of course, you know, we, we know he's been logging time behind the plate for the Tigers for a couple of seasons now. And a report from MLB.com that he's going to play a little bit more in left field uh, over the remainder of spring training with the intention of getting him in left field more during the regular season. So again, with him already having the catcher eligibility, certainly catching a good deal during the regular season as well. That's, you know, somebody who's, who's got some proven power can, um, already can, you know, you, you can pencil him in as your, your second catcher in, in most formats. And now maybe with the promise of a little bit more playing time. Yeah, Badu's not having a great uh, time of it this spring. Uh, he's got about 32 plate appearances with a 200 batting average and one homer. Um, I don't know. He was a Rule 5 pick to begin with. It had a little bit of a bump in his first outing, uh, his first Major League um, experience. But, you know, since then has had has really struggled. I circled Matt Veerling as a name I liked because he hits the ball hard and just waiting for him to kind of lift it a little better. But Veerling got hurt. And, uh, you know, so now I think that has something to do with what Haas is doing as well as he's having an amazing spring, really. Um, And then there's the fact that he's probably not the greatest defensive catcher um, but maybe he's enough to, to, to have in there. It's going to be interesting if uh, Sands makes this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donnie Sands, you know, if he's going to be, uh, you know, have to make this team if Haas is playing the outfield because almost every manager wants to have a catcher on the bench. So if you have Haas and left and Rogers behind the plate, you might need Sands. And so really that's why uh, these sort of catcher slash OFs or catcher slash whatevers are awkward and usually short-term situations because you have to know whether or not he counts as a catcher and you have to have a catcher on the bench, you know? Yep. So, uh, and if Sands makes this team, so I think maybe it's uh, a nod to the fact that maybe Veerling isn't going to be ready for opening day uh, with his knee sprain. Um, because otherwise you'd want to have a bench spot for Veerling, uh, a bench spot for backup short. So that's either Matan or Kreidler. Um, and uh, a bench shot for catcher. So that's three bench spots. And uh, then you'd, uh, if, you, if you had Haas there as a starting catcher, you'd have to have another catcher. Am I doing this right? I think so. Again, then you'd have you'd have Sands filling that you'd role. Have Sands, um, and Kerry Carpenter, I think, has to make this team. And I think we've run out of bench spots. 
All right. Well, uh, you know, we can see, first of all, how this trial in left field goes, see what the other dominoes, what happens with you know, I mean, those. Yeah. yeah. The other thing is, Badu doesn't even make the major league team. And that creates a roster opening. And you can have Veerling, Haas, and Kerry Carpenter out there. Another possibility, uh, for sure. And then just one more note here. Uh, this is not going to be anything that is at all relevant for redraft this year, but something uh, that fans just in general and uh, those playing Dynasty formats will want to be aware of. Jackson Job is going to be out for three to six months with lumbar spine inflammation. So uh, unfortunate news uh, for one of the That's Tigers. rough, dude. Top prospects there. Yeah, very, very rough. So Three hopefully. to six months. And, it, and like it, they didn't even say surgery is imminent, did they? Not yet, no. Maybe too early to know. Wow. But, uh, yeah, obviously, if you've got them like I do in uh, Dynasty Leagues, then Uh, that's a situation you need to track (laughs) track closely. It's very disappointing. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right. Well, uh, let's uh, move on to talking about some position battles. We'll lump the hitters together first and uh, got some some kind of juicy ones with uh, back of the rotation battles as well. But the first, okay, it's a little bit of uh, false advertising maybe because I want to start with Brett Beatty. And I don't know if there is technically a position battle going on. I have not seen anything that he's in competition with Eduardo Escobar. And yet you look at the spring that Beatty's having, you look at the upside. So uh, I don't know. Is there is there a battle? Should there be a battle? Do you see a path for Brent Beatty to be a starter on opening day? I mean, I think it does matter how much they're focused on him lifting the ball because right now he has even increased what used to be a sort of poor ground ball rate even further. He now has four and a half ground outs to every air out. Uh, As an example, to compare him on the other extreme, Pete Alonso has 0.8 ground outs for every air out. Um, And uh, Lindor even has 0.6. Uh, if you, you know, even McNeil, 0.8, Escobar, 0.5. So everybody else is lifting it. He's banging it into the ground. I think that that has been the only sort of question mark that people have had about him um, is, you know, what, what, and he said to me, you know, in the past, like I just hit the ball hard. So, um, you know, we, we could build a bench uh, for these Mets, um, I think you got to have, um, you know, you got to have a backup center fielder, backup catcher, backup shortstop, backup center fielder. You can probably get by with Marte, but Nimmo Marte is a, is a really old uh, center field. But let's say you got Marte, who starts and right as your backup center fielder. That that affords you an extra bench spot. You got to have Luis Guillorme on the team. 
you got to have Thomas Nito on the team. That's two. So we have two more spots for the bench. Um, and Tommy Pham has one of them. Right. So that leaves, without like just straight up cutting somebody, that leaves one roster spot left. You could start Beatty at third, Escobar at second, and push Neil the outfield, except you have four really credible major league outfielders. You could push Escobar to DH. Uh, that would cause you to drop. You'd have to cut Ruff or Vogelbach. Right. So it is a little bit of Beatty versus Ruff, which actually makes it a little bit more palatable, given that Ruff uh, has half as many plate appearances as Beatty and has a 143 average. So he might actually make this team. And then the question is just then, what happens with him vis-a-vis Escobar? Playing does time. Escobar, you know, get get a super utility role, or how does that play out? So, but at least there's you have to have the path to the opening day roster first. So at least he I has see, I that. Just, I, I, the opening day roster spot, like yes, you could put him on this team over rough. However, in terms of everyday playing time, which seems to be an important thing for a young prospect, I don't see it. You know, so yeah. I almost see them just taking rough because. It's easier for them to just have it. He just comes and hits against lefties, you know. He's basically like a pinch hitter. Can go to AAA and work on lifting the ball and work on his defense. And uh, Yeah, that's how, I, how, that's that, how I see it. I think it's more clean. All right. Well, uh, the Dodgers center field situation, I think, is pretty interesting. Of course, there's Jason Hayward in that mix. And I was kind of surprised, you know, I think this came up two, three weeks ago talking about whether or not Hayward could play center. And he played 20-some-odd games there last season. I didn't realize it was that many. Uh, James Outman's having a a really good spring. He can play center. Trace Thompson, that's actually who um, Fangraphs has on their uh, roster resource chart. But this, to me, looks pretty wide open. Hayward acquitted himself pretty well uh, by outs above average. He's a plus one in the outfield and near some center fielders such as Adolis Garcia, Riley Green, even Kevin Kiermaier last year, although that comes with a big asterisk because that was a, an injured Kevin Kiermaier. He would usually have much better numbers than that, but better than Roman Quinn, better than Mickey Moniak. Uh, these are guys who are playing center field. Um, so I guess he can play there. Uh, his hitting this spring has not been good. He has two homers, but uh, 379 slugging despite a 273 OBP. Outman has been the one who's been hitting the ball the best, but if I believe, if I remember correctly, Outman is a righty. I, I think, think that th- counts yeah. against him a little bit. They do like to platoon. Nope, Outman is a lefty. That's good. So uh, I don't know. Uh, Trace Thompson is the righty and right. he has almost, he has half the plate appearances of the other two guys and the worst line. So uh, if Outman makes the team, maybe Trace still makes the team as the righty component of a platoon out there. Um, do they have enough room to have, to have all three guys on the roster? I, I kind of but, doubt it. Yeah, I was going to say that seems kind of unlikely. Seems very outfield heavy when you consider that Chris Taylor can play out there too. So, well, they don't have that much invested in Jason Hayward, honestly. Yeah. And so I think it it looks a little bit like Outman versus Hayward because you don't really want Outman and Hayward on the team. 
in a, in a platoon version, you know, even as bad as Trace Thompson has been, it'd be more useful to have a righty, especially since David Peralta is a lefty that sometimes you want to platoon. Right. So do you platoon with Chris Taylor and Peralta? You can't platoon Chris Taylor with both Peralta and James Outman. <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> you can't. Doesn't, yeah, that doesn't work. It's, uh, it's against physics. So, um, uh, so there is a bit of a thing there. With uh, Taylor's versatility, you do buy yourself a roster spot in terms of a bench, uh, but you still need to have some bodies uh, that can play center. Hmm, this is a this is a tough one. I'm just going to say I think Outman still has a real chance to carve out a, a two thirds playing time center field versus righties role here. He's the one playing the best. They have most of the years of control with him. You know, they're the most invested in him. Hayward is just a guy in camp. You know, and if you, Hayward's not going to hit better than, um, I don't think that. Uh, uh, oh, and look at this. Hayward is a safe bet to be on the Dodgers opening day roster. Dave Roberts told <laughs> so Fabian on Wednesday. Way to complicate things. But that was uh, on that was 10 days ago. I think a lot can change. Okay. Um, I would say, okay, so let's handicap this. I would say Outman is my favorite for the center field role. All right, well, we have to save our odd man out maybe have hayward yeah they could maybe have hayward backing him up and 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 trace thompson doesn't make this team but that is awkward from a handedness standpoint yeah uh are there a few other outfields here i mean i think that one's really the most interesting potentially the most most impactful but uh, also the the marlins it looks like there's a it's it's come down to a, a battle for the last starting outfield spot. Jesus Sanchez and Brylon De La Cruz. It does uh, seem like De La Cruz is is more the favorite in fantasy. I think Sanchez has got more upside. I think he put up one of those lines last year that wasn't reflective of the skills and particularly the power that that he has. So I'm sort of rooting for Sanchez, but I I think this could go either way. And the plate appearances uh, say you are correct because 28 plate appearances to Jesus Sanchez and 27 to Brian De La Cruz. They are, this is, this is a real platoon, but this is a real battle, right? They, this is, yeah. this is what a position battle looks like when you have the exact same amount of plate appearances. Uh, and uh, you know, I hate to say the results might matter in this case because it, it's, it's just kind of sad to like make a decision based on 35 plate appearances or whatever it's going to be in the end. But Sanchez hasn't hit a homer yet and has four extra base hits. Brian Lillard Cruz has five extra base hits, including a homer. And so his slugging percentage is higher, but Sanchez has struck out just a scooch less and has actually walked. And has shown more speed on the base pass. So this, I don't really know how you figure this one out. I know that Brian De La Cruz was one of the biggest improvers in barrel rate in the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you think that is going to stick, you could uh, project him for better even than the league average-ish power than he's projected for. Uh, but uh, he's got the, he's going to probably strike out a quarter of the time. And Sanchez 
came with a better baseline um, of barrel rate over his career, has had better max EVs, is projected for better power, the same kind of strikeout rate. Um, what about defense, though? You, you're, you're about to put your second baseman in center, and he's been hurt a fair amount. Mm-hmm. I think Brian De La Cruz is closer to being a center fielder than Jesus Sanchez. All right, well, I'll throw one more factor out there, which is that Sanchez doesn't have options and De La Cruz oh, does. Oh, no, that's it. <laughs> and Dude, just, that, is, that is so important in these things. Yeah, and, and I'm looking at the ADP. I want to make sure what I said before was right. And yeah, De La Cruz is far more popular. He's basically 12-team relevant. He's getting drafted... 238 ADP in NFBC. The options thing is is so big. Yeah. If you, Sanche- I, I yeah, mean, I don't, I don't know that the Marlins are run like the Rays, but like, for example, right now, the Rays are running out, um, what is his name? Luke Rayleigh. Oh, yeah. Uh, every day in spring training, just trying to see if there's something there because they don't have any more options on him. If they DFA and then lose him, and you, anybody who's like sort of yelling to their blue in the face about Curtis Mead or Jonathan Aranda or any of their uh, their prospects coming up, like uh, even Commonsardo, you know how the Rays work. Luke Rayleigh is much more likely to make the opening day roster than somebody who has options. You know? <laughs> so uh, if Kim Eng is, is running her team anything like the Rays, it will be Jesus Sanchez. And that was an amazing, that was off the top rope. Uh, I love it. That's that's enough of a tiebreaker for me that Jesus makes his team. That improves Jesus. I, I have Jesus in a couple places just because I like his barrel rate. I like his max EV. I like his power potential. This is a team that does not have much power potential. Yeah. Um, you know, And so they went real heavy on the contact, but they're going to need power from somewhere. And all they've got right now is Soler and the corpse of Avisail Garcia. So they need a little bit more oomph. And Jesus Sanchez could, could give that to them. All right. So there are three other situations that I wanted to talk about, but I'm not sure any of them is necessarily, you know, worth that much discussion. So, you know, I'm just going to toss these out and uh, tell me if there's one or none <laughs> that matter. Uh, the Cubs in the outfield DH mix, you've got uh, Mike Tauchman. And I saw some, and I wish I could remember who it was from, but some sort of report saying that he's you know, getting an increasingly good chance of, of making the roster. Uh, so Mike Tauchman, uh, Edwin Rios, and Christopher Morrell. And then with the Royals, you've got basically uh, the, the Drew Waters replacement, Edward Olivares, or Nate Eaton, Eaton, at least brings a little bit of steals potential. And then uh, the Oakland center fielder, I think was, you know, a couple of weeks back, presumed to be Asturi Ruiz, but uh, Christian Pache is is still in that mix. So which one of these, if any, do you think matters? Um, I think the Cubs one matters, but Morrell is fairly safe because he can also play third. And Patrick Wisdom has some killer platoon splits and may need a caddy. At, at third base, Morel has even played some shortstop for them. So I don't think there's any way he doesn't make that team. Um, but Taubman could make this team over Edwin Rios just because of defensive value. Edwin Rios is um, a corner infield, outfield, DH type that uh, has been able to hit the ball hard in the past. He's not even listed when I look at outfielders on the Cubs on MLB. 
have to look at all positions for him to show up as a third baseman. He's hitting the ball hard again, but that's about all he's doing. Um, uh, if Talkman makes this team, it is over Edwin Rios. And uh, there's a possibility of that. They have enough first base DH types, and Mervis is on the way behind them. So I don't think they even necessarily need a ton of depth there. Maybe they try to sneak him uh, onto the opening day roster with a Suzuki injury um, and then DFA him at the at a time where other teams' rosters are set and keep him in the organization. So that's about the best I can do for Rios. You had on there, um, who else? You had the... Oh, uh, the center field uh, battle for Oakland and also then the third outfielder for the Royals. Yeah... I don't, I don't love either player. They both have options. I, I'm just guessing that Ruiz, as the as the centerpiece of that, the, the newest trade, uh, makes the opening day roster. Um, maybe they just maybe they go with both. And uh, my guy Connor Capel, who is playing well in the, uh, and even JJ Bleda is playing well in the spring. So they've got a bit of a glut there. I think Bleday got five. sent down, not to say that he couldn't be up fast. Did he? Let's check. That would but. open it up a little bit for uh, Pache. Yep. Okay. So if he's sent down, uh, I think maybe both can make it. You know, uh, Pache is a really good defense, defender. And uh, I'm not, you know, how many times can you send him down and tell him to work on his bat? You know, maybe he just right. needs to do it in the major leagues. Um, the Royals won. Uh, you did. You didn't even mention Isbell, did you? Uh no. I think he's from everything I've read. He's a lock. Okay, he's the lock. So it's it's yeah. who's behind Isbell. You're talking about Correct. Waters is hurt, and so it's Bradley uh, Eaton or Oliveras. Right. And I didn't hmm. even include Bradley, but I guess we could toss him in there as well. It's a bit of a just a mess overall uh, because I don't know if it's just center field. So Waters starts on the IL. Isbell is a starter somewhere. Um, does that make Melendez a starter somewhere else? So probably Isbell's mostly a... DH, little little outfield, uh, obviously catching. Yeah. So this is this is a really interesting roster. I don't. I I would just guess that Oliveras makes it because I think he's a decent player, and I think that even Eaton could make it with the Waters injury. So you'd start with Isbell, Oliveras, Eaton. And Melendez as a sometimes outfielder. All right. I think they all make it. All right. Well, let's move on to pitching then. And we, you know, kind of gave, uh, you know, a little bit of short shrift to that Oakland outfield situation. But I think that the the fifth starter battle there is a really, really interesting one. Adam Aller, if I recall, you know, I think he's a guy, doesn't he, hasn't he scored well with Stuff Plus? Uh, I seem to recall you liking him. Kyle Muller was somebody I really liked last year uh, in the Braves system. Ken Waldachuk uh, coming over from the Yankees. Uh, they're they're all uh, battling for that spot. Yeah, I believe Aller is a guy. He's a one-pitch guy in Stuff Plus. Uh, oh, he's his sinker uh, is actually above average. His four seams around average. He's actually a, a no pitch guy. In fact, in terms of like <laughs> no, his secondaries aren't aren't very good. Well, uh, maybe I'm misremembering. Okay. Yeah. Um, the uh, I'm I'm not that big on on Aller uh, Muller. 
um, has uh, has a good curveball, I believe. Uh, none of his other pitches uh, really scale that well. Waldachuk is my guy, and I know uh, that he's been struggling this spring, but his last outing was much better, and uh, he is still... Uh, he is still my favorite uh, among these these people. I don't have uh, I have Kyle Muller's. I have one start of his eighty nine stuff plus, and I have no Aller and I have no Waldachuk. So I'm going on last year's numbers, and by last year's numbers, it's easily Waldachuk. Um, I think in terms of options, they all have options too. So I'm okay. sticking with Waldachuk. All right. The the Braves one's really interesting. Ian Anderson sent down. So you've got Dylan Dodd and Jared Schuster uh, both competing for that spot. Uh, not something I think uh, many of us foresaw going into spring training, uh, but both have put up some some uh, good minor league numbers and Dodd's having a, a really nice spring. Yeah, these Dodd and Schuster have really poor stuff plus numbers in my model. Hmm. Uh Dodd has been has been locating the ball really well, but that's not something you can believe in in small samples. I'll put Dodd ahead of Schuster based on that location numbers, but uh, you know, in terms of location, you you want like 300 pitches. I got 44 in here, um, but 44 is enough to say that maybe he's not doesn't have great stuff. Um, especially, wouldn't be surprising for someone you hadn't heard of until. <laughs> Just not, right. you know what I mean. <laughs> Who's doesn't even have uh, uh, Fangraphs uh, scouting grades on his pitches, and uh, had a you know uh, some spots with good strikeout rates in the minors, uh, but not uh, anything that you'd be really uh, impressed looking at projections for mid fours uh, ERA. I don't really know why they did this. Um, they could have kept Ian Anderson up. Uh, there's an injury, right? What's the injury in the rotation? Because otherwise, it would be just be Soroka as the five. Yeah. Um, I mean, not anybody that you would think, you know, would, would really be in this mix. Col- Colby Allard and Wascar Yanoa. Um, We've got Freed, Wright, Morton, Strider. None of those guys are hurt. Them. Yeah, see if I'm looking. Uh, if I'm, I'm Morton just did a start. Yeah, I don't think I'm missing anybody. Right, Bryce Elder got oh, sent down. Right shoulder through two innings Wednesday on a backfield. Right, which we yeah we talked about that a little bit earlier. So um, he's got so, a, so that okay. That's that's how I see it. Dodd makes this rotation if Wright doesn't make opening day. Otherwise, Soroka is the number five. That's okay. that's how I see it. Okay. Okay. And again, uh, as of right now, Wright is slated to start in that uh, oh, early April Soroka series. Soroka has a hamstring, but he's throwing live batting practice. So yeah. Okay. All right. Dot is Dot is the sixth starter, the guy who steps in if there's an injury. Otherwise, Soroka is the fifth because Ian Anderson was already sent down. Right. So right. Soroka is the fifth, and then Dot is the injury replacement. All righty. Uh, let's move on to Arizona. Uh, We've got at least four in contention here. And I think the one that a lot of us are rooting for is Brandon Fott having a really good spring, but uh, there are three others who have already made their debuts. I don't know what the, you know, what the pecking order is here. Tommy Henry, Dre Jameson, Ryan Nelson. I would think that Fott would just be the one to target because even if he's not there opening day, maybe it's not long. And I, I would expect he'd perform the best out of the four. 
Fott has the best stuff plus. Uh, second is Nelson. Third is Jameson. Uh, that might be surprising because Jameson has gained more velo than almost any other pitcher. I think he's in the top three in velo gain this spring. Uh, but uh, the models never really loved his shapes. And um, if I remember correctly, uh, it's because the slider's okay, the four seam's okay, the curveball and the change are poorly rated. So it's kind of a, a reliever package for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Fod has the biggest upside. I think you're right to say that. Nelson is really struggling uh, in terms of results on the field. Um, it's It could go either way. Fod is the guy I want to own the most in Dynasty Leagues. I think Nelson is the guy. I, but I, obviously, this one's turning on me. <laughs> Nelson's, <laughs> been, Nelson's been a guy that I've, I've called and liked, and I, I'm going to stick with him here as the most likely fifth starter there in the short term but um honestly you can hear the doubt creeping into my voice here <laughs> yeah you're talking yourself out of it yeah all right uh we got two more uh the rays uh luis patino in that mix yanni chirinos uh coming back and and in that mix and josh fleming you know he's been in that kind of uh, up and down you know, sixth starter role for a while. Uh, so Patino, Chirinos, Fleming, anybody that you like there or anybody that you see with a clear leg up. Yeah. The, the innings pitched battle, uh, you know, the, 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 the flip side of the plate appearance battle, right. uh, the innings pitch battle might go to Patino. Uh, he's got five and a third um, who is he battling against? Yanni Chirinos has four and has really struggled in terms of results. And, and Fleming? Fleming did have a good outing recently. And, oh, no, Fleming's got 11 innings pitched, but he also six earned runs. So it could really be Fleming. If he's got twice as many uh, innings as Patino, uh, even if Patino goes out and throws three next time out, he's He's a turn behind Fleming, and that is what the team usage says. I just want to say real quickly, though, and pimp my piece. Uh, (laughs) I've got a piece up today about biggest stuff plus gainers uh, this this spring, and uh, it's Patino. Patino is on that list. And right now, his four-seam fastball and slider are doing really, really well. Um, and the, the shape on that four seam has improved. Um, that still makes him a two-pitch pitcher, but you know the Rays. They're okay with two-pitch pitchers, especially mm-hmm. for five innings. So uh, Patino is the guy I want to own. Unfortunately, Fleming seems like the guy that's going to slot in as the number five for now. Now, what what's interesting to me, maybe apropos of nothing, is that Patino and Chirinos, both of them are barely in the top 700 in NFBC ADP. Uh, there are 22 raised pitchers listed in ADP, and the very last one, the lowest one at 750, is Josh Fleming. <laughs> Nobody wants to see Josh Fleming win this, apparently. Yeah, not even me. <laughs> Give it to my stuffist, dude. It's Patino's time. There you go. Uh, I mean, uh, Fleming has a four nine three career ERA, six four three last year. I mean, he's probably a little better than that. Let me see what uh, the my model has in store for him. 
Mr. Fleming, come on down. Not William. Josh, 405 ERA, uh, 1670 strikeout rate. So my model does like him a little better than uh, the public pers- per, uh, projections, but that's damning with fate and praise. I, I, I think uh, Fleming is a week one play in AL only leagues. All right. Well, let's finish with sort of a free-for-all in Cincinnati. I think we've got three uh, spots locked up there. Of course, Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo at the top. Graham Ashcraft, who left, I think it was his last start, left early, but I think it was just a cramp. So he's mm-hmm. online to uh, to make another start, I think, in the next few days. And then that leaves the, the rest of the rotation totally up for grabs. Connor Overton has struggled, but uh, had a good outing his last time out. You've got Luis Sessa, Luke Weaver, Chase Anderson, all you know familiar names. And then uh, the, the prospect, Brandon Williamson, also competing. Do you like anybody out of that group? And again, two spots open. I have no stuff plus numbers for these players. I'm flying blind. Brandon Williamson has seven innings pitched to Luke Weaver's five and two-thirds. Brandon Williamson has a nine ERA. Luke Weaver has an 11 ERA. Connor Overton has six and two-thirds, and he has a 14.9 ERA. (laughs) So uh, be careful out there, folks. (laughs) (laughs) I would say the thing that makes this really rough is that... um, that park is so terrible. That park, I think I had Nick Lodolo as like a 3.6 or uh, something like that, a 3.6 context neutral ERA projection. And then once we put the context in, it went to like 4.142. So Ooh. it's a tough park. And uh, and so I, I, I think I'm going to take the, uh, the pass. I'm going to hit the pass button on all of these guys. Um, but it is worth mentioning that Brandon Williamson has the best strikeout rate out of all of them. And if you were going to look at something in this small a sample, that's as good as any. All right. Well, and other, I'll other just than stuff. Yeah. And I'll, 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 <laughs> yeah. and I'll just put it put in my word for Graham Ashcraft uh, because we talked about Ranger Suarez on the Thursday show and uh, in the context of him having a forearm issue, which is which is scary. But uh, I, sort to me, it's kind of similar appeal, like somebody who can get a lot of ground balls in a tough, tough home park. And uh, right now, better he's got a little bit of a health issue, but better health than Suarez. So. Just something uh, maybe to keep in mind is, you know, in that context of that, that you raised, Eno, like the the um, Kyle Gibson, you know, type late yeah, safety yeah, pick. Yeah. Uh, well, before we wind up here, I know you'd wanted to talk about some stuff plus uh, standouts. I don't know if uh, we've left enough time for you to really dig in, but anybody worth tossing out uh yeah, I, I've got that piece up about stuffless sergers, so I'll leave I'll leave the sergers there. Um, you know, if we want to look at the laggards, uh, as you know, standout can go in either direction. That's um, true. The laggards. Adam Wainwright has the largest drop in stuff plus among any starting pitcher this spring that's pitching from the machines. He has a 77 stuff plus, which is believable because his fastball is topping out at 86. Uh, Adam Wainwright may have the biggest down arrow on any of my non-injured 
uh, pitchers in my rankings. And every time I open up my rankings, I push them down a couple more. So uh, that's a, a name I'm looking to avoid right now. Yanni Chirinos, with the bad results, also has an 82 stuff plus to back that up. So I think uh, Yanni uh, is not going to end up being the option there in uh, in uh, in Tampa. Chris Bassett's down to 82. Uh, this includes his last stat. So this is 130 pitches. That is not good news. Uh, although his velocity keeps creeping up. He said that his velocity is down on purpose. I don't know if I believe anybody who says something like that, but, uh, his velocity was creeping up. I saw some 93s when I saw him in Florida last week. And so if we can see some 94s, maybe that stuff number will jump up. Ryan Nelson down from 115 to 101 is on this list. Alec Manoa didn't have a good stuff plus and is now down to 87 on this list with 149 pitches. Possible we're missing something there, but it's still something to monitor, especially when given his poor projections everywhere else. Yusei Kikuchi's stuff plus is down and he never had good command. Um, and who else do I have on this list? I have Jared Schuster showing up as someone whose stuff less is down. Rich Hill's stuff less is down and 129 pitches to 87. He is just going to be someone they, uh, use to keep Luis Ortiz's numbers down because I'm not going to tell you about Luis Ortiz because he's in my piece, but the numbers are bonkers. Uh, Mackenzie Gore's stuff plus is down. Uh, to 93 this spring. That's not great. Um, and so that is, we're going to define standout in the negative way, because why not? I did the positive way on the piece today. All right. Well, we're choosing here to end the week on a downer. Ah, well, it's Friday. At least that'll, that'll, <laughs> that'll balance things out. And here, at least, the weather is turning. So I hope where you are, there's at least a little glimmer of hope on the weather scene. There is, yeah. East Coast here, weather weather improving as well. So uh, I guess it's a good week, a good way as any to uh, end up the week. So I will just uh, finish up here with the uh, usual reminder that uh, if you have questions for us, uh, things that we haven't talked about or follow-ups to things we have talked about, you can reach us by email at ratesandbarrels at gmail.com. And that's rates and barrels all spelled out. You can reach us on Twitter. Uh, Eno is at Eno Saris. I'm at Al Melky or BB. You can also ask questions in the comments of this here YouTube video, if that's what you happen to be watching right now. So anyways, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you all have a great weekend and we will be back here on Monday. Thanks for listening.